This episode of Warp 5 is brought to you by Audible.com, offering more than 180,000 titles for smartphone, tablet, and desktop. To get a free audiobook of your choice and help Trek FM at the same time, visit audibletrial.com slash trekfm. And also by Enterprise in Space, an international program of the nonprofit National Space Society. Find out how you can help science and education and become a virtual crew member aboard the NSS Enterprise Orbiter by visiting enterpriseinspace.org. And if you want to join in on the conversation and share your thoughts on this episode or any other, please join the Babel Conference, our listeners group on Facebook. Just type Babel, that's B-A-B-E-L, into the Facebook search field. We look forward to seeing you there. This is Manny Cotto, executive producer of Star Trek Enterprise. You're listening to Warp 5 on Trek FM. How we doing, Trip? Ready when you are. Prepare for warp. Course laid in, sir. Request permission to get underway. Welcome, Boomers, to another episode of Warp 5. I'm your host tonight, Brandon Shea And this is going to be our first adventure without Floyd. I don't know what I'm doing, so... I mean, if I uh, if I take us off into a, a wormhole or something like that, and we, we end up in the Delta Quadrant, well, don't blame me. I'm just driving for the first time. Uh, but this is going to be a fun episode tonight, because we're going to be introducing you, the listeners to our brand new co-hosts we've got patrick devlin and brandy jacola thank you guys for joining me i'm really excited to start podcasting with you both and yeah so brandy welcome oh thank you so much i am so excited to be here uh especially watching 36 episodes of enterprise over the course of about 11 days and you would think that i'd be like uh no i loved every second of it so i am so ready for this every second of it mhm every second even the st- even the stuff that wasn't so great yeah. i still loved it even the uh, what's the episode, Patrick? What's it called from season three? Fraggle Evolution? Rock? No, Extinction. <laughs> extinction. <laughs> really, you loved every minute of that episode. It's not a matter of it's. It's like loving a child that misbehaves. You know, you may not like what they're doing, but you still love them as a whole. I love that. That's awesome. Yeah, That's I just don't agree. That's okay. You can disagree with me all you want. No, uh, I tease. I, I tease. I, I tease. It was terrible. No, I love I this series. <laughs> Patrick. It is, it's, I love it. Patrick, you don't tease the show. <laughs> it can't defend itself. <laughs> That's why we're here. <laughs> well, Patrick's joining us as well. Patrick and Brandy, you guys are no strangers to the show. Uh, you've been on before. Patrick, I'm happy to have you on. Uh, when Floyd was leaving, the first thing I said to Chris is Patrick. Awesome, thank you. Um, I really, I, I'm I'm really glad to have this opportunity, and uh, I hope I don't disappoint. Excellent, right on. Actually, the first thing I said to him was Scott Bakula, but then the second thing I said was Patrick. <laughs> <laughs> the first thing you say should always be Scott Bakula. Cool, I'll, I'll take second to Scott. That's fine. <laughs> Excellent, right on. Um, well, we've kind of gone over your. You guys have been on previously. You've talked about your your history with Enterprise. 
Um, tonight, what we're going to be doing is we're going to be talking a little bit about uh, our favorite episodes from each season, our number one favorite episode from each season. And uh, Brandy had messaged me. I think it was Brandy that messaged earlier. Maybe it was Patrick. It said, I've got myself some secondary choices just in case they're duplicated. And uh, <laughs> I heard the wisest thing ever uh, on the Engage podcast the other day. And Jordan Hoffman said, uh, honorable mentions are for the week. Well, you can have honorable mentions, but I figure if we all choose the same episode from one season, we're just not going to get as much conversation in. But that's okay. See, I don't know. To, to me, it's like when you make a favorite list, and that's one of the interesting things about the lists on the network is they're like, okay, I'll pick these ones here, but I've got all these secondary ones just in case. And it's like, well, is that your list though then? If there's if those are your secondary choices, what do you think? It's really hard for me to pick favorites. Asking me to pick one above all others in a season, I don't think you understand how difficult that is for me. Really? It's like asking me to choose between my children. I don't have any children, but if I did... Well, that makes it, it hard be... to choose between your children if you don't have it. <laughs> very, right? very hard. Exactly. You love them all no, the same. Yeah, I do. Well, there, it's, you know, if you... It's very. I have very few things where you can say, what's, you know, what's your favorite this? I have a favorite band... And uh, that is about the only thing that I can absolutely state is my favorite. Well, who's your favorite uh, band? Uh, well, it's a now defunct Finnish metal band called Him, and uh, I did get to see them in their last tour back in October, and cried like a baby. Him, like H I M or H Y M and H I M H I M Him. Oh, interesting. Yeah, but I, I think that's what makes narrowing this down to one episode the fun part is that it is hard to actually narrow it down to one. I it racked is. my brain for like two weeks on season three. Oh, really? and really? Season three was the easiest for no, me. No, I love it. I knew immediately. Again, season three is my favorite, so I like almost everything involving okay. Zindi. So it's it, season two, I knew immediately. Season one, I knew immediately. Season four, uh, I had to do a little thinking. Season three, I spent a long time. All I had to do was knock out Fraggle Rock, and I had every other episode picked from. <laughs> so you had twenty-three <laughs> favorites. Yes, and I had to knock it down to one. <laughs> Although I'm, I'm already telling you now, I cheated in season four. So, yes, right. Excellent, right on. Uh, Such well, a cheater. Before we get into our list, uh, we are going to do a little bit of comments that we've had some previous episodes. Now, for those that are listening, we are going to be changing up the format of Warp 5 a little bit, and we are going to do our best. Our plan is to hit you up weekly, and I'm sure you've noticed over the last couple of weeks that we've been doing that, um, but that's the plan, is we're going to be recording, and rather than recording like Floyd and I used to record, which is you know two episodes in one night once a month... So there's a long gap in between feedback. We're planning on recording on Mondays, and then the episode itself will be released about 10 days later. So we'll always be a little bit ahead, but we're going to be recording every week to have an episode released every week. So that's our, our tentative recording schedule. This is what we're going to try and do. We're going to try and get you some weekly content. We're very excited about it because... You know, we think we've got a lot of loyal listeners out there. We've got a lot of people that really enjoy the show. Um, I don't mind tooting my own horn and saying that we've got the second longest list of uh, Patreon supporters for associate producers for Warp 5, right behind the edge, which is great. 
And we want to make sure that we're giving you the content you guys want as fans. So uh, we're going to try and read a little bit of your feedback. So if you want something said on the air, uh, give us a nice comment in the Babel Conference and we will read it out to you. Uh, so we do have a couple of episodes of comments that we want to cover quickly. Uh, we're going to start from episode 126. Now this was the episode that I did with Richard and Amy. And it was when we compared the, we tried to compare the perfect mate to Precious Cargo, but we really ended up talking a lot about the Me Too hashtag and uh, and talking mostly about the perfect mate because it's such a good episode in my opinion. Uh, but Ron Sarna said, I did enjoy this episode, folks, and about the 45 minute mark, when it broke down, there's something in Brandon's point of view, at least as I understand it. There were pheromones involved and that is something chemical. Why should the men be able to better control themselves in this situation but a free pass is given when Spock sniffs pollen and swings from trees or even when Yar seduces Data. None of this is to say that any of the stories are right or wrong, but to me they all reside on the same scale. And so that was talking about, uh, if I, it's been a while since I've dealt with the episode, but uh, um, is that Kamala had some pheromones and those were part of the reason why Riker was so attracted to her as well in in The Perfect Mate. So thanks, Ron, for uh, sending us some feedback there. We appreciate it. Uh, episode 127 was the interview with David A. Goodman, and Floyd Dorsey says he was currently reading the autobiography of James C. Kirk and loving it. And have you guys read that book yet? I'm getting around to it. I have such a big pile of to-read things. Mm-hmm. I'm going to get to it. But I, I really did enjoy that interview very much. Excellent. Well, thanks. Uh, Bruce Gibson chimed in as well that uh, episode 209 of Literary Treks, David A. Goodman also talks directly about the book for uh, the autobiography of James T. Kirk. So if you want to get a little bit more uh, of a detailed interview with David A. Goodman about that book, check out Literary Treks episode 209. Uh, Justin Ozer says also about inconsistencies between David Goodman's book and some of the novels. It doesn't bother him very much. If it's great storytelling, it's just an alternate set of events and I can enjoy both sets of stories. And what's in the novels being overwritten later by what's on screen has happened in different instances for the novels for a long time. And going back to those novels, I still enjoy them if it's a great story. And I 100% agree. I don't think that the books are any less valid because they don't agree with what's on screen 100% because you know what? What's on screen doesn't agree with what's on screen 100% a lot of the time. So, True that. <laughs> that's my little opinion there. Um, Warp 5 128 was a... Uh, our episode on the Season 5 Retrospective, and we got quite a few comments on that. Michael Parkhill says, Great show, guys. As a guy who routinely has a utility or a flight suit on, the sleeve pocket is my favorite thing, too. I've gotten so used to the awesomeness of it when I retire as an old guy... I'm going to make sure I transition into the blue dicky jumpsuit that has it. I'll just be sporting canvas slip-on shoes other than flight boots to go along with it. And Chris Reeves says, Seems like since Star Trek D Space Nine and maybe later seasons of TNG, people have always talked about taking Star Trek in a darker direction. It seems like that trend has continued through not just Enterprise with Discovery as well. Why the trend to make Star Trek darker, and why is this always lauded as a good thing? Now, I know I had my comments on the Babel conference, but what do you guys think about taking Star Trek in a darker direction? Patrick? Personally, I, I think it's a great idea. I think it mirrors the way people feel right now. I think people do feel things are are less uh, optimistic for the future, or at least getting to that utopian that you know Rottenberry originally saw. They don't they don't see it as heading in that direction. So, you know, it, it doesn't bother me. That's that's kind of what Star Trek is for. 
Mm -hmm. Brandy, what do you think about the darker direction that uh, Star Trek has taken over the years? Well, I actually have liked it. Uh, You know, it's an opinion thing, but I feel like Star Trek is always a representative of the time in which it aired. And in the new century, starting in the 21st century, things are... Yeah, 21st century. I I can count. Uh, (laughs) Things started advancing much more quickly than I think anybody expected. I mean, who thought back in the year 2001 that we'd have anything like the iPhone in just a few years from then? It's... I think it's inevitable. You can't always have this bright, happy, everyone's uh, getting along utopia. It's just not realistic. I want to see more about how they got to that point. I want to see things that don't necessarily fit in with that bright, happy future. Because we're only seeing one little slice of this big universe that is Star Trek. And there's going to be darker things. There's going to be lighter things. And so show me the darker things. I'm I'm good with it. Mm-hmm. Right on. Uh, in the same episode, Janet Lee says, Jolene Blaylock wasn't happy about the drug addiction. Uh, the fact that she did a good job with the withdrawal symptoms really says a lot about her. I never thought of T'Pol listening to Tripp's grief over his sister as carrying two burdens. She gets a lot of backlash from fans, even from shippers, for her behavior in Harbinger. That's the episode uh, when Amanda Cole is brought in the picture. Uh, I'm glad that The Forgotten has a scene which proves that she really does care for Tripp. On the other hand, she does tell him about her addiction because she wants to avoid difficult topics. Uh, she doesn't tell him about her addiction because she wants to avoid difficult topics. Uh, I read some fan fiction where Tripp gets angry that she didn't tell him, and she and Janet Lee believes it's rightfully so. And Janet, we just want to thank you for your comments. You've always got wonderful comments in the Babel Conference, and you're a very loyal listener. We appreciate all your feedback all the time, and it's wonderful to hear from you. Uh, Justin Oser says, great discussion. I believe Brandon Shea asked about three Trek episodes in a row that are as good as the trio of Azadi Prime, Damage, and The Forgotten. And he gave us a few options to what he thinks from each series. With TNG, he had Yesterday's Enterprise, The Offspring, and Sins of the Father. That's a pretty outstanding set of three in a row. Mm. Uh, Best of Both Worlds 1 and 2 and Family, which is kind of a cheat as it's overlapping on seasons there. But that's okay. We'll give him a pass. Um... Iborg, the next phase in the inner light. Uh, that is also a very good set. But I don't know. Out of those three, um, the only one that I think might be better than that would be Best of Both Worlds 1 and 2 and Family. Uh, I think Azadi Prime Damage and The Forgotten have got the other ones beat as a trilogy of like three in a row. Uh, for D Space Nine, he's got For the Uniform in Purgatory's Shadow and By Inferno's Light. Uh, another set would be Call to Arms, A Time to Stand, and Rocks and Shoals. Behind the Lines, Favor the Bold, and Sacrifice of Angels. And those are all, like, really kind of, you know, some of them are kind of in the uh, in the Dominion War. So those are definitely great episodes of DS9. And, yeah, so basically that's our, that's our feedback. I'm glad that we got some caught up. So we're going to try and keep it up for you weekly. So sorry to rush through it a bit, but we didn't want to take too much time of the episode, but we wanted to make sure we addressed it. Well... Should we move on to our topic? Yeah. Woo! I've been looking forward to this one here. <laughs> so what we're going to do is we're going to pick our favorite episode from each season. We're going to start with season one, and we're going to start with Patrick. All right. Uh, just throw that ball right in my court, huh? 
right, you so betcha. My uh, no, my season one episode is uh, season one thir- uh, episode thirteen, dear doctor. Um, I love this episode. Uh, I know some people love it. Some people don't like it as much. They don't see uh, its relevance, I guess, to the series. But no, I really love this episode. You really get to see how Flox, you know, changes. You get to actually see something about Flox for once. You know, he's not just kind of an ancillary character. Um, in the episode, you, you they find a, a ship uh, floating in space. Basically, it has no warp drive, and the the life signs are faint. They try and figure out what's wrong with them. They find out that it's a, a genetic disorder where they're they're basically like you know falling apart as as a species. And uh, Archer's really pushing for a cure. Now, what I like about it is that as this goes on, you find out that the these are the uh, the Valakins, and they're the dominant species on a planet. And Flox wants to fix it at first, but then realizes that maybe this isn't the greatest idea because you'd be messing too much with the natural evolution of the. Uh, species on the planet that the mink would become the dominant species over time and that we maybe shouldn't be messing with that and that's where you get the speech from archer with the i wish we had a directive basically calling out for the prime directive at that point um there are a lot of other things that go on in the series in in the episode but that's what really makes it the best for me because archer eventually goes back and decides not to 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 help them even though that's what he really wanted to do um in preparation for this directive because he says you know we're not supposed to play god brandy what do you think of that episode well you know i argued for it to be in the essential season one episodes so i really do like this episode very much and i like how it's set up as a dictation of a letter to his uh comrade should i say comrade his friend who's part of the doctor exchange thing and uh that they keep sending these letters back and forth it's like you know future pen pals but instead of writing letters they're sending tapes Uh, they're probably not tapes you know what i'm saying mp3s (laughs) (laughs) so uh so i i love it i love flocks in this episode um He's one of my favorite characters. I actually have two favorite characters. You'll find out who the other one is later. And uh, <laughs> I'm not going to make you wait too terribly long. And, well, main characters and, and guest characters, there's, it's a, there's a separation there as well. But I I like seeing Archer's struggle, and I like seeing Phlox's struggle. And it's just really enriching, in my opinion, to both of those characters and... Big thumbs up. Good choice, Patrick. I find this episode really fascinating, and I, I I don't understand why people don't like this episode, because I think it's such a powerful episode, and it really sets up exactly what Enterprise is. So, you know, it's like, this is the tough choices that we got to make. So, yeah, definitely. Good choice, Patrick. This is definitely, uh, could be anybody's favorite episode for sure. So, Brandy, what would you say would be your favorite episode from season one? Uh, this will probably come as no surprise to some people, but my favorite episode of season one is the Andorian incident. Ooh, nice! Because I love me some Shran. <laughs> Put Shran in, and you're guaranteeing I'm gonna watch it. Uh, I, I, actually, I just love Jeffrey Combs. Period. I would watch him in anything, and so I love the introduction 
of the Andorians into Enterprise, especially when you know they become a founding member and you think, how are these three races ever going to come together? Because they are just not getting along at all. And I love this whole thing where Shran is so certain that the Vulcans are spying on them from this monastery. And Archer is kind of leaning towards the Vulcan side. And then, of course, after much ado, they find out, oh, yes, the Vulcans have a huge base hidden inside Pajem. Huge. And I really loved Archer's face when he saw that. And he's just like, oh, oh, you did not do this. And it shows a different side of the Vulcans, because up to this point, we've seen Vulcans only as complete allies, members of the Federation, etc. Uh, but there was no Federation at the time. And so it, it's a miracle that Andorians and Vulcans ever learned to get along. But Jeffrey comes a Shran, love him. <laughs> really enjoyed the Vulcans being quite two-faced because it, it's just, it's not what I expected from the series. But when you think about it after, you know, after a rewatch and you think, yeah, that makes sense though. Cause they're kind of duplicitous when they need to be, when they want to be. But, uh, it's just, it's a, it's a great mix of humans, Vulcans and Andorians. And I love seeing Andorians with antennae that move. Yep. What'd you think of the Andorians on uh, discovery this week? Uh, I liked it. Uh, I, I know that there are some people like, oh, well, they're a darker blue. Oh, well, they have a forehead ridge. I'm sorry. Do all people on Earth look alike? No. So just stop it. Just stop it. Uh, I was just delighted to see an Andorian. I'm like, yes, yeah, Andorians they... and Telluride, yes. It's pretty darn cool, I think. I My really favorite line in Andorian Incident is uh, right after Archer punches that Vulcan, and I think it's Reed. He's like, oh, violence in a monastery? And Archer's like, very disrespectful. Like, just the way that he says that line. I love it. Oh, wonderful. So, yeah, it, that's my favorite episode for the reasons I have already stated. Because my favorite uh, recurring character, not a member of the main cast, it's Shran. No mm -hmm. surprise. Patrick, can you buy this as a favorite episode for somebody? Uh, absolutely, because uh, it, it came close to getting in that number one spot for me, too. Uh, mm -hmm. It's a great episode, and who doesn't like Shran? Uh, I mean, or Jeffrey Combs in general, in every role he's ever played for Star Trek, so. Yeah, he's pretty amazing. He's pretty outstanding. So, Okay, my choice for my season one favorite. Uh, it, it's, it's hard because there are so many good ones, and I, I had narrowed it down to two, but definitely the winner for me has got to be Detained. You know, I... I I love the episode, and I remember when the preview came on because I watched Enterprise in its first run, and they're like, you know, Dean Stockwell and Scott Bakula together again, and I'm like, oh, this is going to be so cheesy. But, you know, when you get to the episode, it is so good and so powerful. And when I watched it for the first time on my rewatch just two years ago, I hadn't seen it in a decade, and I'm like, man, this is relevant today. Like, holy smokes, this is frightening. And just the story that's there that just because this person looks like your enemy doesn't mean that they're your enemy. You know, not everybody has the same beliefs. And 
you know, with all the, the talk about, like, we have it in Canada here. Like, I've got people that I know that are all like, you know, oh, all these people coming in from India, they're all a part of ISIS and, you know, and we don't want these terrorists here and stuff. And it's these these beliefs are there today, you know, and it's it's crazy that they just, people still assume that just because they look the same as the people who've created these actions, then they must believe the same beliefs, you know, it's and it's, it's so frustrating. It's, it's insanity. Cause it's this idea that not all terrorists, not, not all Muslims are terrorists, but all terrorists are Muslims. No, mm-hmm. no, I could show you a long list of white terrorists, but anyway, yeah, it's, uh, it's frustrating. I, I'm so glad you picked this episode because this was the one that, almost one for me yeah yeah so but unfortunately jeffrey combs is always going to come out on top so <laughs> i think it's a brilliant episode and definitely harkens i mean they even mention it in the episode the whole japanese internment yeah. camps and just the fact that we think we've come so far and yet here we are still and i love the stuff. look of the Sulabon. they look like sandpaper i know Their skin right? looks like sandpaper you know and i know so it's such a it's... neat look it really is a fantastic makeup job. So whoever designed that makeup and and executed it, well done. Mm-hmm. Patrick, what do you think? Is Detained one of your favorites? Yeah, I definitely like the episode. And who doesn't like a, a Quantum Leap uh, reunion? At, <laughs> at the point where if you look at it and you're not really paying attention, it looks like Al's holding the little computer in his hand. And, uh, <laughs> and, and Sam's waiting to, to zoom off to the next body, you know, hoping to be home instead. But... Uh, yeah, in, in fact, it's funny. I was just talking uh, with a couple of my classmates about doing podcasts and actually talking about Sam and Al and how it relates to this show and how they did that episode detained. And, and he looked at me like I was crazy because he's 20 and knows nothing about what I speak. But uh, <laughs> I kept going on and on about it, and here we are talking about it again. Excellent. Right on. Well, let's move along to Season 2. Brandy, what's your top choice for Season 2? What's your favorite? Oh, this one was really, 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 really hard for me. Like, really hard. But the one that came out on top was Dead Stop. Okay. Nice. And I, it's, it's wonderful because continuity. And also, it's like a haunted house story. Mm-hmm. It's, like, it's like a murder mystery and also a, a horror movie at the same time. Because, you know, it's after the events of Minefield and the ship is heavily damaged and they're told by, you know, some random trader, go to this place. Right. And it's just automated, basically space dock repair station that just gives you anything that you want. But there is a very heavy price that they don't know about. Right, right. They just talk too, isn't it? Tellerate that tells them. I think if I remember correctly, they ju- they don't, I don't see think them it was. visually. Am no, I right, that's Patrick? that's correct. Yeah, well, it's some, so I know it had something to do with uh, Tellerites answered their distress call and told them about this random You're right. station. Yeah, but mm-hmm. they didn't show them at the time. We didn't see a Tellerite until Bounty. Yeah, but yeah, but yeah, I I love that and the whole mystery and flocks piecing together that this was not their Travis Mayweather. Right. And then them going through trying to find Travis, and I'm just like, ah, it's like a horror movie. I like horror movies. You probably guessed that from my enthusiasm. But I just, just the fact that, you know, what happens didn't get wiped away by the next episode. And they actually, 
you know, they're out there on their own. They have to find a way to repair their ship, and it's got massive damage. And this, and the whole time they're thinking, this seems too good to be true, and they find out it definitely is. And it was a miracle that they found Travis before he was too far gone. Mm-hmm. So, way to go, guys. Great episode. Love it. Right on. Patrick, what's your favorite from season two? Uh, my favorite from season two is Expanse. Uh, again, this is because it sets Ooh. up season three, which is my favorite season. But we okay. see a lot of good things in that episode, too. You know, we, it starts with um, the Zindi weapon going off in Florida, cutting through the ocean in Cuba. We see uh, they, when they talk about the death toll, they talk about a million, then three million, and then Trip later on says seven million dead. So mm-hmm. we see that, you know, growing exponentially. Trip goes and visits his home, and he, he stands next to the giant chasm that's now created and talks about. Um, you know, I used to take my sister here, and if I didn't go, my sister would throw a fit if I didn't take her to the movie theater. So, and then just a few sections, you know, uh, scenes later, he's with Reed, and he's, that's when he gives his big, she's no different than anybody else. She died speech that, that's so famous through the series. Um, yeah. And Reed tries to tell her, but she's your sister. Of course she's different to you. Um, yeah. And, he, you know, he tries to blow it off. And we, we see repercussions of that all the way until damage basically right i mean he tries to play it off like this is no more no more important to him than the other seven million people which is no um the forgotten that's when he finally has to come to grips with it but uh you know and and that has far-reaching effects i i love the episode uh i like the fact that they kind of threw a lot at you in that episode they had they had the klingons involved they had uh trying to get it the nxl one as it leaves you know trying to get the enterprise as it leaves trying to get archer there's a lot of things going on that kept you off balance um but really, we were just trying to get to the expanse, and at the very end of the episode, Archer pulls a really cool maneuver. He calls the L four, where they basically fly up and over the Klingons, blow them up, and then head into the expanse. And boom! Now you got to wait till next season. And mm-hmm. I watched this in first run, like you did, Brandon. So I had to wait till next season. There was no oh, let's see what happened. Yeah, yeah. I remember they what they were talking about near the end of season two. They were starting to talk about this idea of having this season-long arc for season three, and I was, like, really, really getting intrigued for that because I was... Right, uh, Enterprise started the same season that 24 started, right? They both started in fall of 2001, and I was hooked on 24 right off the bat, so I was very eager to see what they were going to do with season three at the time. Excellent. Okay, so my favorite episode from season two should come as no surprise to anybody... Go back to Warp 592, which was my first episode of Warp 5, and it is hands down Future Tense. I love Future Tense so much because there's just so much in it that calls back to the original series. We got Zephram Cochran calling back to Metamorphosis. We got Tholians calling back to the Tholian web. We got neat time travel, spooky time travel. We got the Doctor Who time machine vehicle whatnot and i i love it i just love this episode so much and if you really i'm not gonna rave about it here because i literally rave about it for you know an hour when we did our commentary back on episode 92 and uh yeah hands down i remember the first time when the tholians came on and we heard that voice you know like oh my goodness gracious that just sends chills up my spine mm-hmm. every time i see it because it's so cool <laughs> I love it. 
Okay, we're gonna move. We're gonna keep moving along here, and we're gonna try and hit up season three. I, I'm thinking we might not get any duplicates here because I don't think my season three or my season four is gonna get picked by anybody. I'm pretty sure. So we'll see what happens. Patrick, damage, right? No, <gasps> it's not damage. Uh, wait one second. I'm sorry. <laughs> I wrote the wrong name of the episode. He wrote no. down extinction. <laughs> not a chance Okay, no, it's not damage As much as I love damage, no It's actually proving ground Really? Yes, yes uh, Tran Yes <laughs> We might have a duplicate Nope Again, You a lot are going to be on surprised here. on this one You, you get, you, you know, they, they show up <laughs> You see the Zindi talking about the weapon You see Tran saving the Enterprise after after they go in uh, you end up seeing Shran talking to his high command or, or the Imperial Guard and basically trying to argue that they should have an alliance with the humans, not not stab him in the back over the weapon. He takes the weapon, tries to steal it. Archer tells him, I'm going to blow up your ship, man. I don't really care. You're going to give it back to me or it's going to blow up. And uh, and then he, this is one of the moments where he actually does what he says he's going to do and it's violent, so you know I'm all for that because I've been begging him to do that since, like, episode two of this season. And uh, he, blow, he he makes the thing detonate and they push it out the airlock. Um, so it, does, it just disables them. They kind of limp along afterwards. But someone covertly sends them the, the, all the scans of this, of this, uh, of the, of the, the Zindi weapon. So, you know, there's that. And you're left to try and figure out who did that for them, but you, you can see that you can see the startings of alliances showing up. I also like the uh, Archer talks about Bikini Atoll. You know, he makes a reference to Bikini Atoll, which I thought was really cool. And uh, you know, so there's there's a lot of things going on in this episode, and this is when you really start to meet uh, Talus too. Mm-hmm. Did you say Bikini to Paul? <laughs> At all, <laughs> you smart Alec. <laughs> yes, that too. Yeah, oh, I'm okay. sure everybody wanted bikini to Paul. Well, they they get that every time she has to come into the decontainment chamber, anyway. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Try At least I got some guy that with your grandmother. Yeah, my grandmother thought Star Trek was evil, so she would not have watched. Oh, my it grandmother with me anyway. loved it. I just had to watch all these weird to Paul scenes with her. <laughs> Neuro neck, yeah, that wasn't fun. Mm. I'd yeah. go get a drink. Okay, Brandy, if it's not proving ground for you with Shran, what is you're it? G- I know you're going to be surprised by this, but it's similitude. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, I buy that one. It's a great episode. Uh, it made me ugly cry. Now I cry very easily, but I was sobbing, okay. sobbing during this episode. It was so good. And you also get this confirmation of T'Pol's feelings, even though she's never going to give actual Trip the satisfaction of knowing that she cares about him. Uh, it's just... And I don't think people think enough about Archer's decisions in this episode, because it seems like he's being really callous. But I know that inside that that the decision to do this in the first place was hard and the decision to end Sim's life was even harder and mm-hmm. he will be haunted by that mm-hmm. forever forever yeah. and so it's just it's wonderful and it's heartbreaking on so many 
levels. And if something can produce that strong of an emotional response, how could it not be my favorite? It's just, I'm just like, the minute I saw it, I'm like, this is my favorite episode of season three. And I wasn't even thinking about picking favorites at that point. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's definitely an outstanding episode. Um, I, it, it definitely moved me the first time. I don't think it holds up as well on repeated viewings because that it, it really relies on that fake out at the beginning of the episode. And once you know what's going on there, I think it loses something. But it's not like it loses a lot. But yeah, I mean, I don't think that's an easy decision. And I think that's a, a very difficult decision to make. And it, it opens up some really interesting questions about like, if if this is what it was created for, what rights does it have? If if you know if you didn't create it to harvest its organs, it wouldn't have been created anyways. Now that it's created, therefore, does it have rights? And I think that's a really interesting discussion, you know. And uh, there's no easy answers to questions like that, and that's what some of the best Trek can always do. So, um, oh, that reminds me of another movie. Yeah. That made me ugly cry. Which one? It's a British movie called Never Let Me Go. I don't know that one. It will rip your heart to shreds. It's beautiful. It's beautiful okay. and wonderful. It has Carrie Mulligan and Andrew Garfield and Kira Knightley, and they're all brilliant in it. Um, go watch it. Have a box of tissues. Or two. Or two. If you're well, like me. <laughs> not only does the best Star Trek make you cry and make you think... But the best Star Trek also blows up things. Yes! Like Azadi Prime, which is definitely my choice for season three. <laughs> because, mostly because of the ending, right? But w with the huge battle and how the Enterprise gets whooped, I just love it. And I'm, that's the sadist in me seeing my, my beautiful, beautiful ship getting destroyed. But uh, I love it. And it, it's such a fascinating episode because we're, we're rapidly approaching the end. And so much bad happens with so much of the season still left. And I think it's a really interesting storytelling arc that they've 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 created within this episode and how it does change the flow of the season and that's why I love it so much. And we recently talked about it on a retrospective, but yeah. Azadi Prime, hands down, that's definitely my favorite, you know. Yeah, it was it was heartbreaking because I'm like, oh my lord, they have so many hull breaches you can see through the ship like it's Swiss cheese. And I thought to myself, well, Arch is finally going to do those things. He's going to blow up something. Yeah, <laughs> so, he's got to blow up something. Mm -hmm. But it is interesting that you pick it primarily because it gets blown up. Uh, yeah. A lot of people would think, well, that's that's the star of the, you know, the, the ship is really the star of this whole thing, and you want to see it get destroyed? And, yeah, I don't want to see it get destroyed, I, I want to see it get beat up, though. That's why I like it. <laughs> yeah. I want to see it just... get beat up. I want to see it take its lumps and, and come out the other side tragic very well, it, tragic it takes its lumps a lot because polarizing the whole plating sure doesn't seem to do a whole lot a waste mm. of time yes yeah, like <laughs> shields are going to be way more effective in the future because polarizing the whole plating it's like pulling a blanket over yeah it's just not doing much utterly useless excellent well i'm going to take the lead on season four and I think that this is going to be the oddball out of all of it. And I think this is going to surprise everybody when I say this. And it's funny because every time I watch this episode, I'm like, why do we need this episode? This episode is just too much fan service. 
yet when I watch the episode, I love it so much because it's so creepy and bizarre and amazing and well-written. And so hands down, my favorite episode from season four is Observer Effect. Uh-huh. <laughs> right, which is the mm-hmm. one with the Organians and how they, yes. they come on and they inhabit the crew and they watch them try and figure out this disease plague that's on their ship. And I think it's just so, such an amazing episode. And I think it's a, it's one that gets overlooked a lot because of a couple reasons. I think it gets overlooked because it's simply a, a one-shot episode in season four. And I think it gets overlooked because it seems like a fan service episode for the Arganians. And honestly, every time I start watching the episode, I'm like, why do we need the Arganians in season four? But it's just so damn good. Yeah, Yeah. well, you, you might say that their experience with Enterprise, uh, the NX-01, may have affected their decisions in an episode in the original series. Yeah, Aaron to Mercy. Um, I actually really enjoyed that episode, and I enjoyed watching the cast members uh, try to be their characters possessed by somebody of a higher consciousness. Right. And it was, I found that interesting. It, it was very different, and it gave the actors a chance to kind of stretch their abilities out past what they've been known for. for three and a half seasons so i really enjoy it i think it's a great choice yeah i, I think it's good I, I just think like you said it kind of you could literally take that episode pick it up put it in any season it would do exactly the same thing right it's the only thing like it just doesn't need to be in four it could be in four it could be in three it could be in two it could be in one it really wouldn't matter mm-hmm. but it's still amazing brandy take it away this is difficult because it's so it's part of it's it's part of a three pack um, as most of season four is, and but I think as, as I was watching it, I was I was convinced that that was going to be my favorite episode, and it's the Forge. It's oh. the beginning of what is called the Vulcan trilogy by fans, and I. Uh, it just, you know, it starts out, they're on Vulcan, and they're at the uh, human embassy, Earth embassy, I don't know what you'd want to call it, and uh, and we see Admiral Forrest, yay, Admiral Forrest, we see you in the flesh instead of on a view screen, that's a nice switch, and then he's killed by bombs, <laughs> and I'm like, what the what? Because I had not seen these episodes when they were first run. Okay. So this was my first time watching them. Oh. And I I just love the investigation. I love the division between the who's running the Vulcan's government and other people like Saval who's just like you know what you see isn't necessarily what actually happened. He wants to question further. And it's the beginning of so many interesting things for the Vulcans. It's basically changing the Vulcans as we knew them so far in Enterprise. And I love watching Archer have a katra in his head and not understanding what is happening to him. I, and I just, I just really enjoy that whole trilogy. But I love this episode because it sets all of these things up. And it's, it's so heartbreaking. It's like, oh, Admiral Forrest, blam, dead. 
Mm-hmm. Like, uh, 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 does he get the the Katra put in his head in the first one? Uh, if he does, uh, he he may or may not. I can't remember if he does, but I I thought that he did. Mm-hmm. Uh, because so. I thought that they had found, uh, oh my gosh, and I've already forgotten his name. I should have written it down. Um, <laughs> anyway, they were they were hiding from the lightning storms, blah, blah, blah. Uh, now I'll have to go back over the actual. <laughs> like the Vulcan dude? Yeah, the Vulcan dude that leads them to safety in the caves and then gets killed by a lightning strike. Yeah, but... I can't remember his name, but yeah. We don't, yeah. even, you don't have to look it up. That's okay. Yeah, yeah, no, I feel bad now for Phil. not remembering. Phil. His name's Phil. Yeah, to uh, Phil. Feels great. To, to Phil. Phil. <laughs> to Phil Katra. <laughs> I keep wanting to say Sirach, but it's not that because that was the Katra. Uh, anyway. So Phil. Yeah, Phil. We'll call him to, to, to Phil. Phil. To Phil. To Phil. <laughs> to Phil the Tavulcan. <laughs> I am never going to be able to get that out of my brain now. <laughs> Thanks a lot. Every well, time I watch that cannon. episode, I'm like, oh, it's to Phil. <laughs> it's going to be that all the time now. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Okay. Yeah, that is, um, yeah. Uh, what What was his name? Um, I'm I'm looking for it. I'm looking for it. I can't. Well, while you're looking, let's get Patrick to tell us what his choice is. Arav. Arav. That's his name. Arav. Arv. Arv Phil? Arv. Arv. Yes, and in that inter- in that episode of Enterprise, he does transfer Sirach's Katra into Archer's brain. Okay. okay. Excellent. Take it away to Patrick. <laughs> so so I, I said early that I cheated on season four, and I really did, because my favorite is United, but United doesn't stand up without Babel 1. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So without Babel One and the events of Babel One, United kind of just fizzles. You know, you have in that episode you have uh, Shran calling for the Yushan and and um, uh, then Archer stepping in his place and cutting his little antenna off and making him wobble around because he walks like a drunken <laughs> mess when that, that happens. That was the best. <laughs> so you, in this episode you have you have the mention of Vulcans, you have the Tellarites, you have the um, and Dorians and Shran, so how can you not be happy about that? Plus the humans setting up an alliance, right? And this alliance clearly ultimately leads to the Federation. Mm-hmm. Um, so to me, this is one of the most important episodes or episode arcs for the entire series because yeah. this is going to lead us right into what the unfortunate way they told the story in the last episode is. Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree with you 100. percent Like it's neat. What I like about that episode so much is the the weapon that they use, you know, and how the Andorians live on an ice world, and this weapon of honorable battle is this ice cutting tool. Yep. Mm-hmm. You know, that's so amazing. I love I love how they wrote that and how they're tied together by this chain as well. Yeah, you that know? was cool because they yeah. don't mention that before you see it. No, they don't uh, bring that up at all. They don't mention anything except for the weapons until the last second. Um, you see the gauntlet and and the mean tide and them using. I mean, some of the scenes were a little cheesy. They, they he blo- Archer blocks the the weapon with the with the metal c- cable, you know. But 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 it, 
while watching it in the moment the first time, it's pretty cool to see. And then you're like, ah, it's not really realistic. Mm-hmm. Nah, who cares? It's Star Trek. I don't care. It's I don't care about realism. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> Lots is not realistic on Star Trek. Awesome, right on. Well, these are some good episodes, uh, but you know, I just got to say that I think my my four are the best four. <coughs> okay. <laughs> Completely disagree. And also disagree. Why? It, what do you? I bet you you think your four are the best four, Brandy. No, I think that my four are the best four for me. <laughs> I but think the, are the best, best is subjective. <laughs> That's so. true. The best is very subjective, and we're not trying to make a comprehensive list here. Everybody has their own favorites, and yeah. you know and. That's that's the great thing with Star Trek. I mean, my number two favorite episode of TOS is the alternative factor, and you know everybody looks at me like I'm you know I don't know drunk or something when I say that. <laughs> I guess I don't know, but I love the alternative factor. So uh, why don't we recap our lists, uh, Patrick? Do you want to give us your uh, your top four? Yeah. So I had Dear Doctor, Expanse, Proving Ground, and uh, United. Excellent. Now I got to ask then. So. Which would be your favorite episode of Enterprise then? United. United? Yeah, I, again that the setting up of the Federation is my favorite story of the whole series. So, yeah. Excellent, right on. Brandy, do you want to recap your list? Yes, uh I have the Endorian incident, Dead Stop, Similitude and the Forge. And would Similitude be your favorite of the series? I think the Andorian incident's going to edge it out be because Shran. It's going to be Shran. It's the introduction of Shran. It's the introduction Shran. of the duplicitous Vulcans lying and violating a treaty with the Andorians and the, being mad at Archer for catching them. It's just no. That's if I had to pick a favorite, that would be it. Excellent, right on. And my list is detained, future tense, Azadi Prime, and Observer Effect, and hands down. Hands down, Future Tense is definitely my favorite episode of the whole series. So we got a, for an ultimate favorite, we got a season one, a season two, and a season four. So that's pretty interesting. Yeah. Excellent. Right on. Well, listeners, you got to tell us what your favorites are. So in the Babel Conference, find the feed for this episode and put in your, put in there and we'll read, we'll read your feedback out on the next episode. But until then... Talking about our favorite episodes is not the only thing we've been discussing here on the network this week. So please take a listen to this clip and see what else you may have missed elsewhere on Trek FM. Previously on Trek.FM, Earl Grey. It's sort of what she did with Picard and just said, I'm looking at the entire expanse of your career decisions and these decisions you broke in the prime directive. And and so looking at this mass, it sort of brought it back to conspiracy where it's like, yeah, you're going to find something and there may be excuses for it, but what's the pattern overall? I thought it was an interesting twist that she did against Picard. Warp 5. The reason why I'm surprised by this is because you don't see a lot of asexual reproduction in higher order life forms um, because sexual reproduction allows for genetic diversity. Uh, whereas, again, asexual reproduction dictates genetically identical individuals. The 602 Club. What happened last season and the things that start to happen this season is, you know, Jay comes in and tells them about the danger from 
too, with Zoom and everything, you can see the weight that it's having on this person. And I thought that that's just really good writing. Like, you know, that that you can't stay that same kind of person that he was in the beginning here. Um, And they're going to do some things throughout the season that are going to help Barry kind of overcome that. Um, or at least try to overcome that. But at the beginning, I just I, I really felt like that the writing was very strong, specifically for the character of Barry and everything he'd been through in that first season, and now into the second season. Literary treks. Yeah, that's definitely the case. I I think for sure. Well, in this novel, it's uh, very much about the Klingons and their society, and. It's from the perspective for the mo- there's there's a framing story basically in which uh, Captain Kirk starts reading a book called The Final Reflection, which is told from the perspective of the Klingons. And, and it's ostensibly the book that we are reading here. This is the book that Kirk's reading in this book. And that's what else is happening on Trek.fm. So check out all these shows and join in on the conversation about your favorite corner of the Star Trek universe and beyond. We hope you'll find us wherever you get your podcasts. If you're an Apple user, please be sure to hit the subscribe button and Apple Podcasts on iPhone, iPad, or Apple TV, or the desktop iTunes app to get the latest episodes as soon as they are published. And please leave us a star rating and a written review. If you're not an Apple user, we've got you covered as well. You can find our shows on Google Play Music, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spreaker, SoundCloud, Windows Phone, in most third-party apps, and on that empty space station that'll fix your ship. (laughs) You can also stream and download the MP3 files from our website or grab the RSS link as well. We'd love to hear your thoughts on today's show, and there are many ways for you to do that. The best place to join the larger conversation is the Babel Conference, our listeners group on Facebook. Just type Babel, B-A-B-E-L, into the search field on Facebook, and it should come right up. If you'd like to send us email, you can use the form on our website at trek.fm slash contact. Choose to send to show and select Warp 5. That will come right to us. You can also find the network on Twitter at trek.fm and on Facebook at facebook.com slash trek.fm. So, Brendan, when you're not talking about your favorite episode of all time, uh, where can people find you around the interwebs? You can find me on Twitter, at Brandon Metella. You can find me over on the Fandom Podcast Network with my friends Chris and Tom, where we host a show called Good Evening, an Alfred Hitchcock podcast. And we're going through the episodes, uh, we're going through Alfred Hitchcock's films one at a time, starting at the very beginning. And we even had Brandy on for an episode just a short while ago, where we covered the... uh, Interesting film, Downhill. <laughs> interesting, yes. We'll it was it interesting. interesting. <laughs> uh, so that's over on the Fandom Podcast Network. You can also find me here on the network uh, with a show called The Edge, uh, which is our Friday show, which is the Discovery coverage for all the new episodes of Star Trek Discovery. Brandy, where can people find you when you're not terrorizing Vulcan priests looking for secret communication devices? <laughs> Well, uh, you can also find me here on the network on Live from the Edge, which is a live podcast every Monday night after a new episode of Discovery airs. It is at 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific. You can figure out the in-betweens all on your own. And uh, we had a lot of people in the episode that we just recently did. So, yeah, 
Go to the Trek FM page on YouTube on Monday nights at 9 p.m. Eastern. Watch us live, and it comes out as a podcast on Tuesday morning. And I also do a podcast with my dear husband, Dave, called the Dark Corner Podcast. Uh, it does have colorful metaphors, so it is not for children. And we look at pop culture and life through a darker and often nerdy lens. And you can find me on Twitter as Brandywine12, that's B-R-A-N-D-I-W-I-N-E 12, and I'm always lurking in the Babel Conference. So Patrick, when you are not rejoicing at a Quantum Leap reunion, where can people find you? Well, they can find me in the Babel Conference. I'm always checking the page. I'm also on uh, Twitter at uh, Magic Drop 5, one word, the 5 is I gotta the interrupt on that one there. Can you please follow me on Twitter, Patrick? Like, you, you're so stuck up, you're not even following me on Twitter. <laughs> really? I don't follow you on Twitter? No. I'll do that as soon oh, as we're dear. done here. Maybe. Oh, man. Maybe. <laughs> Remember, he once said they didn't want me on this show anymore for the retrospects. Um. <laughs> so, okay, so there's those two areas. And then... <laughs> You can also find me on my on another show that I co-host with uh, with Guinevere, uh, the the Briar Patch, and um, yeah, those are the best ways to get a hold of me. Excellent, right on. <laughs> Fantastic. Now, if you'd like to help us keep all our shows coming to you each week, you can become a patron of the network on Patreon. Visit Patreon.com/slash/TrekFM. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com. Slash Trek FM to get all the details. Perks include early access to episodes, exclusive content, producer credits, and more. Available through our special patrons website, Patron Zone. It requires a great deal of money to produce, host, and distribute these shows each month, guys. Come on. We really appreciate any support you can give us and hope you'll join the team. Again, you'll find the details at patreon.com slash trekfm. And at this time, we'd like to thank the wonderful supporters of our shows. And I'd also like to tell everybody that Patrick just followed me on Twitter. Yes! <laughs> but even more important than that is our wonderful associate producers here on Warp 5. We have got Norman C. Lau, Floyd Dorsey. We miss you, Floyd. Oh, Mike Floyd. Morrison, Tim Cooper, Justin Ozer, Mark Flessa, and Joe Saltzman. Thank you guys so much. And uh, we appreciate We couldn't do it without you. You support us and you support the network when you're supporting us through Patreon. Excellent. Right on. So don't forget, everybody, next week's episode, we're going to be covering the French film, The Wages of Fear, as part of our movie night. And the week after that, we're going to be having Tim, uh, Tim Robertson on, and we're going to be talking about First Flight and NASA. So if you want to start watching episodes early and watching films to get prepared for the future episodes, that's what's coming up next. So until next time. We need a catchy tagline. I don't... What do you think? You gotta have that failed. <laughs> Keep calm and boom on. I don't know. Keep calm and boom on. Okay, if you've listened to the Briar Patch, you know I don't have a catchy tagline. So. There you go. Keep calm and boom on.
No, they don't uh, bring that up at all. And the, and the one little metal gauntlet that they're tied together with. <laughs> Sorry, my daughter came down. You know, but they don't mention anything except for the weapons until the last second. 